Welcome to another edition of Your Impact Attack. That's right, it's Your Impact Attack. And we are still not officially in the TNA era yet, even though everybody keeps saying that we're back, we're effing back, all this stuff that people keep saying, but we're still not there yet. We're not quite there yet. There's one interesting change so far, but uh, we'll get to that. Uh, but anyway, it's Your Impact Attack, regardless of what they call their company. Uh, and we're here to bring that to you. And who are we? Well, I. The Vet. He's a Rip Rogers guy. The Vet. That, that, that. Rip, Rip, Rip Rogers guy. I'm Jamie Williams. And with me, as always, tag team partner, Brandon. Tagging Brandon in. What's going on? Not much, man. Impact continuing to not give us much. They gave us more than they gave us last week, but they, what they happened to give us this week was basically a house show. It was a house show and a studio show and a little bit of everything. But they also gave us a pay-per-view, which no one asked for. But here it is. Here's this. Here's this pay-per-view. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about all of that. Um, and we'll talk to you. And who are you? You are the C in the VVC. You are the chat. And we must acknowledge you ahead of everything. So... Who are we acknowledging tonight, Brandon? All right, let's see. Looks like Chris Winland was in here earlier. We got Media M5, Lab Rat, Retro Rocket Review, Jerome Hall, Lizbeth. What is up? Hope you're all having a great night. Whoop, whoop. Hey, I love all those people. Uh, so let's dive into that. Chris, as usual, will leave us a comment or a question or both. And tonight's question that he says is, what was the first live wrestling event you have attended? What was your favorite in-person show, indie or otherwise? Um, Brandon, would you like to start with that one? Uh, yes, I believe it was, I want to say, 05. And it was, or was it 05 or 06? No, it was... Man, I don't remember. I, I only thing I remember was that it was a raw SmackDown double taping, and it was one like where Ray was like there's he involved an angle with JBL and Ang and Kurt Angle. Um, this was when Triple H was about to turn back babyface and reform DX with Michaels. That was 06 then. Yeah. Oh, and I I was there live when they did the whole thing where uh, Michael or. Vince McMahon was feuding with Shawn Michaels and the whole God feud, and they did something where like, they had like a lightning bolt strike the ring post or a wall of fire block McMahon from getting to, to Shawn. Brilliant. <laughs> so I'll take that. That was not your favorite in-person show that you attended. No. <laughs> Okay. No, I just, I just remember my being like, they are they really, they're really trying to make people believe that God's getting involved in this. Uh, in that sort of 
Look, we admitted this was fake 15 years ago. Way, yes. That's a, that's about that's about the best you could hope for, but it was pretty uh that uh, you know what? We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> we can just talk about um what what was your favorite uh oh no 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 now i remember the first show i actually attended was the one where john cena got it was in 05 was when john cena got drafted to raw oh yeah that was a big deal back then um so you were there when they when they drafted john cena to raw yep and that would be well, he was going to win the WWE Championship that year at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Or not not WWE. Um, did he, win, he won the... Um, no, he did. Yeah. yeah, he got the world title from Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then beat, and then went over him in a rematch. That was a, la- uh, a night... Went over him in a, in a night quit match at Backlash. Ah, uh, yes. That had one of the... Uh, more memorable I quit endings where Bradshaw just quit under threat of exhaust pipe from truck. And then Cena hit him anyway. Yeah. Well, you got to hit him. (laughs) He's a piece of shit. Um, but yeah. All right. So, so that was the first, that was the first event you ever attended was this raw where John Cena got drafted to, to raw. (laughs) Interesting. Um, well, uh, yeah. And then your, your favorite one was that or something else? I want to say lockdown 2010. Lockdown 2010. All right. So that was the, uh, the all gimmick pay-per-view, like where it's the same gimmick. Every match is a cage match. (laughs) Yep. I believe. Yeah. The reason why that was actually kind of a big deal for me because that was the first time I saw like Hogan, Flair, Nash, Hall live. Hmm. How was that? It was interesting. Um, again, like at least they weren't, at least Hogan and Flair weren't really wrestling too much or too involved. And they were just kind of like more like captains of their team, but captains in spirit. I see. Huh. I'm trying to think. Did I ever get to see? Oh yeah, and that was the night I remember watching RVD have a piece of his uh, forehead skin slide down the side of a cage like a cheese grater. Gross. Oh, dude, I'll, I'll never forget. Like I remember, like he got his head cut open, and then like he something happened where he got thrown into the cage, and I guess it got caught because I remember a piece of skin just sliding down the outside of the cage, like a th- big old piece of skin. And then he had a vag in his forehead. So, uh, so where were your seats? Did you have front row seats for that one, or were not close? It was close, but like where the angle where I was at, where it happened, it was just like, oh shit! See, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, yeah. Shit is real. And then wow. it even shocked me even more the next night when they put the belt on him. Well, it had to make up for the fact that a little forehead slice. So, lockdown 2010. I guess that's a pretty good one. 
Um, the first live wrestling show I ever attended, I don't remember. It's before my memory because I had an uncle that used to work for Nissan Motors and they would, you know, get comps, you know, to the local wrestling whenever they would come to Arco Arena. And, um, so whenever he would get tickets or whatever, then be able to go. And they usually weren't that great tickets. They'd kind of be anywhere. But I remember having these programs from, um, you know, it was like around, I want to say like 87, the, the, the little programs, you buy a program and then, um, it came with the little insert that had the, uh, the card lineup for that night, which if you remember going to WWF shows back then, um, you've probably seen those and you could probably see them, like look them up online and see them, but it was cool. And then, so like you buy the little program, which is like the little magazine and it had the card lineup. And I remember having a card lineup where it would be like, uh, you know, matches like, um, God, who was it? It was like killer con versus George, the animal steel or something. And I remember seeing that angle on TV, you know, and wanting to, wanting to see that match. Cause I love George the animal steel, um, stuff like that. Like whatever, there was a, whatever card came to, came to Arco arena that had that match on it. That's probably around the first wrestling event that I saw. It was one of those. And I think, you know, there were some other, they, they were usually like the you know how you had the A show, the B show, and the C show from those tours when they were doing that Hulkamania, you know, tour, you know? And um, to the point they even had a WrestleMania 2 was an a, a show, B show, C show. Right. So in that, um, it was usually always the B shows that I would see, it seemed like, you know? Uh, and then one year... Um, I actually got an A show because I saw, uh, who was it? I believe it was, yeah, it was like Hogan versus Savage. Like that was on, that was on the card. Uh, it was like Piper versus DiBiase. It was, you know, there's a bunch of people and I had good seats for that about five rows back, but on the aisle. So I got to see all the wrestlers walk by, but I was too scared to like stick out my hand, you know, like I just too shy or, or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, my memories of that. And I think Andre was on the show too, but, uh, my memory of that one was like, I remember there was somebody that had brought a sign, um, and, uh, for, for Hogan and, um, he had like a few signs. He had a few different signs, but they weren't just like, you know, writing a, a phrase on the sign. They were like, he drew these like cartoon pictures, these elaborate cartoon pictures of things. And, you know, signs weren't as big as they would be in the attitude era, but they were still, you know, you still saw them from here. So, so this guy had these signs and he had like a, a Hulk Hogan sign or something. And the macho man came out and like, you know, he like, uh, 
he tore up somebody's sign. I don't know if it was the same guy, but he came out and tore it up. And um, Hulk Hogan came out and like he found this sign that uh, the, I remember this guy had drawn. It was like a picture of the Macho Man, but like as a cartoon mouse. And it was Macho Mouse. It said Macho Mouse on it. And he 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 Hulk Hogan went out there, grabbed that sign, and like walked around in the ring and showed it to everybody in the place, you know? And then he ripped that up. Which is like, oh, you shouldn't have ripped that. I mean, I know you're ripping a picture of the macho man. Like, I know that's what you're doing, but that and that guy was probably happy for you to do it, but still, it's like, oh no, that's not, you know. Macho man was getting heat ripping up a sign, you know. <laughs> Hogan ripped it up just like <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, so I remember that. And then I remember a spot where, um, Roddy Piper was like a baby face against the million dollar man. And I remember him like doing something I'd never seen this before. Uh, but he, the, he, he was like doing something illegal to, uh, to Ted DiBiase and the referee was like counting him, you know, like, like you would, you, you got to enforce the rules. Right. And then Piper takes, Piper takes the referee and kind of like, he, he picks the referee up and like gently sets him on the top of the turnbuckle and is like, don't, you know, like you just sit right there and let me do you know, whatever I want. And the referee <laughs> sat up on the top of the turnbuckle for like a minute and a half waiting to get down until he finally just slinked down off the top. So those are those are vivid memories I have from from that um, that show, but that wasn't my favorite. That was just the best one I ever saw when I was, you know, going to all those 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 comp tickets uh, events, and then you know since then I'd seen pay per views, I'd seen Raws, I'd seen. I don't actually know if I went to a purely SmackDown taping for whatever reason, but whenever stuff would come around, I'd see it. Of course, I would go on to be on part of my own live events. You know, I had weekly television every week that I was a part of, uh, backstage or on screen, or, you know, going to WrestleMania and being a part of that. And, you know, but my favorite event, I would say, would have been the, uh, whatever that, whatever that new Japan event was, it came to San Jose a few years ago. It was a really awesome show they put on, um, and had a great match. One of the best matches I've seen live, if not the best, which was, uh, El Fantasmo versus show for the, you know, what was it? The British cruiserweight championship or whatever fucking championship he had at the time, but he did his job as a heel, which was to make it look like, for all the world like he was going to lose the title that night and then he hung on to it and it was a great match and everybody was super into it so it's on new japan world uh if you guys are subscribers for 999 yen a month uh you can go check out that match and you can see me in the crowd because i am in the front row for that one so good question from chris winland thank you very much um and for uh and just for a retro rocket review who says uh who do i report to that the vet was wrong and there's no crossbody across any foreheads on collision um i don't even know why you would bother to try to prove me wrong there but uh it had definitely happened and if you need a timestamp, 
you go to the Willow Nightingale match and you go to uh, uh, go to about 40 seconds after the bell. You'll see it. So you could do that right now. And with that, uh, I believe we will move ahead with the show. So what, what, uh, any news? I don't think there's any really news that I saw, but did you have anything that you wanted to discuss or? Uh, not really, but we do have a punching up impact this week. Oh, that's good. Okay. We need one of those. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, the only thing that, the only thing I saw in the news was just a thing about, you know, NWA had that pay-per-view and, uh, the thing with, uh, James Mitchell and the cocaine and all this stuff. Um, this is, oh, I've not heard about this. Let's hear it. Well, you know, Nick <laughs> Houseman from House of Wrestling is reporting that, you know, because of this and the fact of them tweeting about it and going viral and everything like that, uh, that that it's puts the the shows the shows uh, status for being on the CW in flux. I mean, this part is the rumors and innuendo part, so we don't really know what people at the network really think. But he's suggesting that the uh, what is this here? Let me let me. Oh, I'm looking at it now. Oh shit. He's reporting, Nick Houseman being he, uh, there is a 90% chance that both the reality TV series, which was said in the report to have been fully paid for by Corgan, well, of course it was, they're not going to pay for anything, and Power is going to be available on the CW app instead of on television. So if you ever wanted to see something sadder than a CW television network, the app that is named after the... <laughs> the same uh imagine people actually having that app on their phone and watching cw on the app how, how does that even happen how does somebody that's so out of touch that they watch the cw uh be in touch enough to have a phone that can download apps i would assume they would have one of those like june bugs or something you know uh yeah i'm looking at it now uh Oof. Again, I get what they're going for, but I, I understand why it can be problematic. It's clearly an angle. It's clearly for show, but... Yep. But people but still it's... mark out for this shit. Yep. There's people that mark out for this shit. They don't understand wrestling, and if you fast-talk somebody that you know at a network into, make, into making you a deal, and that person doesn't really know what they're getting into... They want to they want to spin it like people want to spin wrestling and this has a lot to do. Unfortunately, this has a lot to do with sort of uh, the the writers era, you know, the Russo and Ferrara coming and ushering in this era where people just think that wrestling is a TV show. So they think they can do things that are on TV shows. Like if you have a scripted taped television show movie style you know uh where characters do things like commit murders do drugs you know all this stuff that you can just write that on your show and say bro it's a tv show bro like we can just do this and it's like 
Well, it's, it, it is, but it isn't. It's on TV, but it's not a scripted, you know, like, and, and even if you have a script, it's still not the same. Like they shot, they shot this TV show and it's got special effects and it's got music and it's got post-production, all this stuff, right? You're, you're supposed to be a, a, a predetermined live sporting event. So when you have stuff like drug use on your it'd be the same thing as if like you caught an NFL player on the bench doing a line of cocaine during a game. Yep. That's what where, people look at. Right. If this were to make sense, where's Billy Corgan going, like walking up to James Mitchell going, what the fuck, dude, I got to do, I got to, I got to punish you. Right. So it just goes back to my bingo card and number one bingo square filmed crimes you can't film crimes and then not unless you're going to have a consequence on your program uh, it just it doesn't make sense this is not just the wild west and yes todd brantley will be covering turning point thank you for joining us i just wanted to get that out there um but yes uh so this is nwa's problem like with the the fucking gimp you know like that, that this they've been doing this shit they they start a youtube show that's supposed to be a throwback to like early morning weekend wrestling you know called nwa usa so that you can watch it on youtube uh you know during those those weekend morning hours and it, it's it's supposed to you know evoke the memories of you being a kid with your bowl of cereal watching cartoons and then after cartoons is over is wrestling and you've got a fucking gimp on your show. No, no parent should have to explain that to their child that's young enough to be in that demographic that you're trying to capture. I know people are supposedly doing a lot of different stuff with their kids than they did when we were kids, but I still think regardless of any sort of spectrum of orientation or anything we don't need to learn about the gimp yet that's for later so you have a character like that on your show and then you wonder why you have less fucking youtube subscribers than the guy that did a job for joe hendry at turning point But anyway, uh, yeah, well said. It's just, you know, I don't, the, here's the, you know what, you know, what gets me even hotter than just this whole subject is the fact that I don't want to have anything against the NWA. I want to root for the NWA. I'm happy if Billy Corgan could take time out of his busy, completely other life to own a wrestling company and operate it. Uh, but and and friends of mine have and continue to work there and i don't want anything to happen to them i want them to have success but everybody's just so out of touch with everything in the world you know whether it's you know thinking that a, a network deal with the cw is some kind of it's going to be some kind of a you know a major factor for their wrestling company or thinking that a gimp is a good idea for a Saturday morning show, uh, or what, you know, whatever, like this is, it's a joke. You're making a joke out of it and you're trying to be like 
and it's funny thing is because it's under the it's under the banner of like traditional and and old-fashioned and throwback and look at look at what you know we've got this brand that used to be the number one brand and all this it's, you're, it's like you're trying to to have like a more grounded approach but then you just uh, I, uh, yeah so yeah well anyway that's the only news that i saw uh that was worthy of covering if any other headlines happened um i guess the only thing i can think of is rick flair signing a multi-year deal with aew yeah we knew that and (laughs) his uh energy drink sponsoring the show how does that work you're you're signing him and you're paying him yet his energy drink is sponsoring your show no, no, I think it's the other way around. <laughs> Did I just do a LA night inadvertently? No, nah, no. Nah. Let me talk to you. How do you pay a guy whose product is sponsoring your show? What do you just call it even? <laughs> like, in return for you being on AEW and working for us and making dates for us, we'll show your energy drink off the screen. <laughs> I didn't know Ric Flair had an energy drink. So essentially, AEW is the commercial for your energy drink, pal. Do you know he's got a uh, uh, wings? You ever heard seen those? Uh, woo wings. Yup. Yeah, they're regional. Which is a shame. Take, actually... It would probably cost me quite a bit to overnight woo wings from the closest location. <laughs> Does DoorDash have a, a jet service? <laughs> a, a Lear jet. Woo. They draw they 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 put your wings on the Lear jet and then when it when it touches down the DoorDash driver drives it to to you in a limousine with with four questionable looking hoes in the in the back seat and then they and then and then James Mitchell is there doing coke with them. James Mitchell's about to be delivering my woo wings in a second here. He's partying with Flair. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah so, <laughs> God, yeah, so much stuff. We we got a lot to talk about for once, and you know, we could do a whole show just on how stupid fucking Billy Corgan's NWA has been. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. But the important thing is we have a punching up impact this week. Right, yes, we're gonna we tell you guys how to do it. <laughs> You're not doing it right. We're gonna take the premium number one impact wrestling podcast in the world, which is right here on Channel Attitude, and we'll show you how to book an impact show. Whoop, whoop. Right. Just uh, just drink some uh, Ric Flair energy drink there. Yeah, let's call it that. <laughs> Woo! Woo! All right, well, take it away. All righty, so this is for the 10-5-23 edition of Impact Wrestling, and we are picking up where we left off last week because we're completely just, for the most part, scrapping what they did and building new storylines and angles, keeping some maintained, but for the most part, it's 
it's a lot different than what they actually did. Okay. So we open up with our recap and ketchup packet. Intro Pyro and Ballyhoo. And then go to the announce table where they talk about recent events. And then we open with an in-ring with Scott Demore. He talks about what happened last week to Josh Alexander. He says he has a security tape, but he hasn't seen it yet. And he offers the culprit a chance to fess up or he'll play the tape later in the show. He has three suspects and calls them out. Shelly, Sabin, and Moose. Scott gives his reasons why he suspects them. Saban and Shelly deny it, while Moose continues to play mind games. Demore says if it's either of those three, they have until the night, end of the night to confess. And then Josh Alexander runs in through the crowd with a chair and everyone bails. Demore gets a headset and tells everyone tells production to go to commercial. Yes, I said grabs a headset because this time he actually doesn't already have one on his, on his, around his neck. Wow, I don't even know what that would look like. <laughs> we go to our first commercial break. Then we come back with a recap that happened during the break of Demore trying to calm Alexander down, and Alexander just starts bashing stuff with the chair, including the ring post. Then we cut to backstage, Demore's office with Alexander and Demore. Demore mentions he told Alexander that night in the hospital, stay home until bound for glory. Alexander lists every obstacle and hurdle he's had to overcome for the title and says he's done playing games and handling things himself. Well, it sounds Ta- like he's not keeping his emotions in check. Nope. Then we go to our first match, Tasha Steeles versus Killer Kelly. Tasha Steeles music and entrance with Deanna. We have the announcers point out how it looks like Deanna and Tasha are going over something as they walk to the ring. Killer Kelly music and entrance with Masha. Match ends in a DQ when Tasha pulls a chain from under the ring and uses it on Kelly. Masha jumps in to help and Deanna attacks her with another chain that's under the ring and Tasha and Gianna lay out MK Ultra and leave. Okay. Then we go backstage for an interview with Gia and Gresham. It's the same one that's on the show. Then we have a pre-tape with Saban. That's the same one that's on the show. Then we go backstage with Alex Shelley, and he asks a member of the production staff where Demore is. He says Demore's in his office, and Shelley heads that way before we head to our second commercial break. Then we come back from commercial backstage and we see Alex Shelley leaving Demore's office. And then we have an interview with Gia and Trinity. That's the same one that we see on the show. And then we do the replay of Evans and Jessica on before the impact. And then in ring Giselle Shaw and Savannah Evans, Giselle Shaw music and entrance. But, bef- but during the entrance Evans attacks Shaw and power bombs off the stage. Wow. Then we go backstage with Gia and the Death Dolls. Death Dolls give their thoughts on what Evans just did. And then Crazy Steve enters the shot to remind them that he is coming back to set things right. And I was going to go ahead and spoil it now that he happens to be somebody we were just talking about who has a storyline connection to all three of those people. And a storyline cocaine problem? A little bit. Then we go to match number two, Moose versus Gujar. Moose music and entrance. Gujar music and entrance. Total squash match with Moose saying he'll be on commentary for Shelly versus Khan main event. Then we go to our third commercial break. Backstage, come back backstage with Chris Saban. And he is seen exiting Demore's office. Okay. 
And then we go to a video hyping up the Fans Revenge match. And then match number three, Fans Revenge, ABC versus Skylar and a mystery partner. ABC music and entrance, Skylar music and entrance, Brian Myers music and entrance, because after he got thrown, kicked to the curb by Moose, he's get, trying to get back in with the good hands. Wow, hands and knees to the good hands, huh? <laughs> and then we have ABC going over clean. We have to do a pre-tape with the Rascals. That's the same one that's on the show. Backstage, Shelly and Saban's locker room. Moose enters and tells him that he'll have Shelly's back in the main event like he had Saban's last week. Motor City Machine is telling him they don't know what his game is, but they don't trust him. Then we go to match number four, which is that 10-man tag. No televised entrances, and it goes just like it does on the show. Then we cut to backstage. Chris Saban is found by the cameraman unconscious in his locker room, and the cameraman calls for help. Shelly arrives, and he tries to wake up Saban before we go to our fourth commercial break. Okay. Then we come back backstage with Shelly and Saban. Saban's being loaded into an ambulance. Moose shows up and says, it's a shame what happened. Shelly tells Moose that he thinks he attacks Saban. Then we got match number five, Jonathan Gresham versus Kevin Knight. Kevin Knight music and entrance, Gresham music and entrance, Gresham over dirty. Bailey confronts Gresham about recent actions, and then Gresham low blows Bailey. Oh. And then we go backstage with Bully and Macklin. Macklin confronts Bully again and calls him soft. Macklin wants to know if Bully has his head on for next week's tag match. Bully tells Macklin not to push him. Then we go backstage with Mike Bailey. Gia catches up with him and asks him about what Gresham just did. Bailey says that Gresham has abandoned honor and he challenges Gresham to a pit match at Bound for Glory. A pit match. And then we go to match number six, the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Championship three-way. Rascals defending against Kenny King and Sheldon Jean and Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan. Then we have Rascals up dirty. Spray paint, probably. Then we are backstage with Scott Demore, and he's clearly upset about something, and he tells one of his aides that they need to be found. We go to our fifth and final commercial break. Come backstage with Scott Demore. He is still looking for something and clearly getting more anxious. We go to our New Japan hype video, and we cut to the announce table where they run down the card for next week's show, as well as the updated Bound for Glory card. And our main event in the evening, Alex Shelley versus Khan. Khan music and enters with Diener. Shelley music and entrance. During match, Moose comes down to sit on commentary. The finish comes when Shelley is on the comeback and, the, and Diener distracts the ref. Khan sets up Shelley for a powerbomb. Moose gets in the ring and spears Khan. Rolls out and takes out Diener while, while Shelley falls on Khan and gets the win. Moose smiles at Shelley. Demore comes out and tells everyone that someone has stolen the security tapes and we go off the air. No, the tapes. The tapes. Why do we continue to put this <laughs> stuff on analog when everything is digital? What are we, the, the people that watch the NWA on the CW? Tapes? All right. Well, that's what could have happened going into Bound for Glory. Could have, but didn't it? They did what they did. Exactly. Um, 
Well, there you go. That's the alternate universe version of TNA. Uh, I like that there was more moose, um, which any moose is almost more moose than what we had been getting uh, recently. Thankfully, at least for tonight, that won't be the case. We got a good dose of moose this evening for these shows. Right. Not, as, not as big of a dose as we would have liked, but still a decent enough one. I trade it all for a little bit more. Um, but yeah. So now here's where we, here's where we get to. Um, last week was the clip show and they had just made their big announcement. We're back. TNA is back. And here's a clip show where nothing is TNA. Uh, now we've got our matches, our tapings, um, from, well, this, you know, was actually taped at the, this was on the tour, their European tour, like the stuff that we're going to see from tonight, we start off with, we own the night. So, uh, we, we've got our, we've got our, we own the night intro. And then we've got, um, we're back in the studio with uh, Tom and Matt. And this is stuff from like the Glasgow tour. So they were doing this tour of the UK, they keep saying, but it was, you know, it was like Scotland and maybe parts of England, I guess. And the first match that we get is Joe Hendry versus Frankie Kazarian. For some reason, there was a Glasgow Cup tournament, and this is the finals. I'm um, actually going to address what Elizabeth is pointing out. Please, I've noticed like something throughout like this show and Turning Point. It looks like they're trying out new things, new camera angles, new ways of production and shooting things, possibly just to see what works leading up into the TNA relaunch. Yep, um, possibly. It's also possible that. Because this was an overseas tour, they had different equipment and crew. That too. Because, because if you notice this, uh, the ropes, they were using ropes, rope ropes. Like nobody except for the WWE uses rope ropes anymore. And TNA has been using cables since the beginning. But on this on this tour here and at turning point they actually had rope ropes so that was interesting which made me wonder is like were they trying to use local rings and they just brought like the aprons and stuff and the turnbuckle pad covers and the rest was just like local rings that they were using and nobody had cables like is that why or are they making the switch to ropes going forward yeah, it seemed like they were experimenting with a lot of different like production techniques that these couple of shows. Yeah. So we could we'll have to see once they get back to their regular schedule, but this could just be we're we're working with what we got on this tour and these cameramen don't normally shoot uh TNA and we don't have our you know, we don't have our hard cam set up here. It just seemed like they didn't want to bring their equipment overseas. That's basically what it looked like. 
uh, to me. So if you didn't like it, maybe don't get used to it because it might not be like this ever again. Or it might just be like this, you know, certain things. Um, but, uh, you know, this wouldn't even be the first time that we've seen this. Uh, but anyway, Glasgow Cup, everybody. Everybody knows about the prestigious Glasgow Cup. All the past winners of the Glasgow Cup, including probably Drew McIntyre at some point. Uh, that's the only other person I would think that would ever win this if it existed before. Uh, but yeah, in the finals, we're not going to hear about any of the other matches that led up to this, but it's just the finals of the Glasgow cup. Um, and we're going to get, you know, Henry versus Kazarian here. So the first thing I noticed watching this match was the blade marks on Kazarian's chest. Like he's got three, he's got three vertical slits in his, uh, left peck. <laughs> Like right around the collarbone area. So, yep. Those are, it's going to take a while for those to go away. Um, nice little throwback. Who, what was that? What was that match he was in? Him and Shelly? Or who, who was it? No, it was, it was him and Edwards. Fat Eddie. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah that, Fat that, Eddie. that two out of three falls. Yeah. Yep. Where, where he bladed Fat, his chest. Yeah, he bladed his chest because Fat Eddie can't hard weigh his chest with chops. So, we have to sell this guy's chops, but we have to do it by blading yourself. Yeah, fucking rotten. But it, it looks especially bad now, because now that there's no blood covering it, it's like, so, you know, if you do bust somebody's chest open with chops, that's not what it looks like. It doesn't look like three neat vertical slices. I'll tell you that. No, like um, your entire chest is red and purple and looks like ground beef. Mm hmm. Oh, I got a funny picture I could send to you later <laughs> of a guy. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Uh, but anyway, yeah, these guys had you know, it it was a modern match. They did all the things that people do in modern matches these days, which is you know, run run away from somebody while they're still standing up, and you know, hit moves back and forth and double down, and you know, you know, all that stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, but apparently, uh, Joe Hendry is able to come away with a win as they're trading, uh, pins back and forth. And then he gets them with this sort of arm drag cradle thing, uh, and pins them for three. I, I don't know what to call this move. I recently saw this move on NXT. Somebody used this similar move and they pin somebody and, in that instance, I don't remember who it was now. Maybe somebody in the chat remembers that watches the next level review. But in that in that thing, the person's shoulder was clearly able to be up, and they just didn't stick their shoulder up. At least in this one, Frankie kept his shoulder down, and Joe Henry looked like he could have been holding it down with his weight, even though I still think you could probably kick out of it if you're not, you know because it's a because it's a pin where you're fully conscious and not you know not like you just took a big move uh you could kind of kick out of this and force your way out of it but whatever they went with this they went with this new this new cool arm drag cradle headlock pin that people have been pinning people with lately it's all the rage with the kids these days on the streets and you know those kids with their cw apps and everything and 
So, uh, you know, rightly, a Scot a Scottish person wins uh, the Glasgow Cup. What did you think of the match, Brandon? I thought it was you know, a pretty decent match. I mean, they had Kazarian wrestle as the heel, as he should have in this match. But he still, like, didn't abandon his character. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this kind of a modern match, you just stick any two people in there and they're going to do this match regardless of what their characters are or anything nowadays. I sound like some old crusty, <laughs> you know. Some like, vet. Yeah, some vet. Ugh, these kids are doing too much. But, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, it was fine. Joe Henry won a little trophy. The trophy looks better mm -hmm. than the, um, call your shot one. Yeah, definitely that. The modified bowling trophy. Um, this was like a, a prestigious, it's like a PBA bowling trophy. <laughs> um, so yeah, anything else on that or. No, I, I thought it was kind of, uh, Again, it just shows that Hendry is one of the guys who knows how to control and have a crowd in the palm of his hand. Like as soon as he mentioned, by the way, there's some changes coming in this company, and then all of a sudden the crowd changed TNA. And I don't know, I felt like that was what he was going for with that comment, and he got it from them. Yeah. Well, I mean, all he had to do was be from that country. <laughs> So there you go. Um, next is the a promo from the virtuous pro wrestling gods, which that is obviously Brian Myers, Moose, and Deanna Parasso. Uh Named as such by Moose in this promo. He's saying for one night only, you guys are going to get this, and it's they're going to be taking on subculture. Fun but times. hey, yeah. But at least, at least, at least Moose was there, and he came up with a fun name for their for their one night only mixed mixed team. Yeah, and it was smart of them to turn to Peraza back heel. Yeah. She she does she's just better in that role. Yeah, who are you kidding? Trying to not be a heel. She wasn't even like a baby face. She was just not being a heel. Right. She was just competing against other heels and trying to be like. Oh, I kind of gotta be nice a little bit. Yeah, they tried to do that thing where when you have equity with the fans, they'll cheer for you because they hated you so much as a heel <laughs> and they want to see you do good. But she did not nearly play that up one way or the other enough. Not not anything against what Diana has done. It's more like the booking again. Uh, they they never really gave an inciting incident or any storyline or reasons to care to care about her as a babyface. Yeah. Um, Hendry cuts a promo about winning the cup, and then he also cuts a, a promo about Simon, Simon Miller, who is a guy he's going to face at Turning Point. Uh, which I'm like, you know, who the fuck is Simon who? Miller? Right? Yeah, who? <laughs> Wait a minute, who? Um, I don't have a kazoo here, but uh, so. 
unlike most people who say who and then make a point of being so proud of how they don't know who somebody is, I did my research on Simon Miller. And apparently, Simon Miller is one of those guys from what culture? Uh, you know, that annoying wrestling uh, website, channel, whatever British guys that talk about wrestling and make jokes about how much how many orgasms they're having about the good stuff in wrestling like those guys yeah he's one of them uh but i guess he wrestles and, and he's actually like in shape yeah he's in shape and like i said earlier he has more subscriptions to his channel to his personal channel not even the what culture channel i'm not talking about what culture i'm talking about simon miller's youtube channel has more subscribers than nwa does on youtube so let that sink in for a minute and now we'll move on um so the other notable thing about this promo from hendry is that uh the lights are back you know we you know if that's uh something that's uh they they had to have a green this was this one was green like miss lippy's car there's green lights on this one uh so billy yeah. likes to drink soda mm-hmm <laughs> nudie magazine day all right we could just do billy madison for the we, we could probably between the two of us we could just act out the entire script of billy madison off the top of our head uh we're not going to do that even though that would be uh, arguably more fun than whatever tna programming you like um, wrestling you ever heard of this guy called the revolting blob Oh yes, it was a stunt. He was supposed to pinch my leg if he was running out of air. Oh, don't worry. We'll we'll get to we'll, so we'll get to Simon Miller's match. All right, we'll get to that. Um, but before that, we'll get to the okay. <laughs> so Tom introduces this match from the studio, and he says, "I guess I'll just call them." the most professional wrestling virtuosos. So I, I don't care what you guess you'll call them. Moose already named the team. So this just goes to show you that your continuity is out of order and uh, you're just not on board with it. Yeah. Like, are now, you even watching what you're calling? Yeah. Do you even watch wrestling, bro? Um, this, this, so like you could have even said like, you know, Moose calls them the most, you know, virtuous pro wrestling gods, but I prefer, you know, like whatever, get your own shit in or whatever. But, you know, this just makes it look like you don't, your shit is out of order. So, uh, but whatever, it's, it's a small thing, but just so everybody knows, um, I'm watching you. Okay. You can't get one by me. Um, so anyway, it's those guys versus subculture which is already like a mixed trio. So this, this works out for them. They should have the advantage since they always spend time together. Uh, and this is intergender rules. So anybody can wrestle anybody here. Um, so right off the top, my first note that I wrote down here is this looks like junior high school kids fighting the teachers. That's what this match physically looks like. Like if there was, if, if, if a class got unruly, and the teachers had to like physically settle things down like and the kids are fighting like that's what it looks like 
which is bad. Mm. But hey. Uh, you know, and it's it's going to be a lot of these guys having to sell for this. You know, we, we already talked about subculture is just one of those. You know, they're already built like children, like <laughs> literal children. And then we have to, you know what I mean? Like, we have to sell for it. You know, even though Moose is gigantic and Myers is big and even like Deanna's not a small, a, she's not a petite lady, uh, but both the women on these teams have more lower body mass than Andrews or Webster. Yeah, like I, I could believe Danny Luna could take either Webster or Andrews in a fight, in a shoot fight. Right. They probably weigh the same. If not, she weighs more. Uh, but that's fine. Um, it's okay. If you have a match where you can actually, you know what to do, how to work that match. Uh, we just saw on collision that, um, we saw Darby Allen versus, uh, Lance Archer and they did a, uh, regardless of the booking of, the match they did the best match that you could do in a mismatch situation like that uh and that's be i give the credit to darby allen because darby allen is an excellent worker um he's known as a stunt guy he doesn't get enough credit for his psychology and his wrestling because no one would care because darby allen is built like a guy from uh darby allen is built like a guy from subculture Except he's not having Lance Archer take head scissors from him and do all kinds of shit. He lets Lance Archer kick the shit out of him. And then whatever offense he gets looks believable. However, he works that in. This was none of that. This was just, these guys are all working same size, same gender match. So it, it's whatever. Um, you know, Moose gets triple power bombed at one point. Like at least it did take all three of them to do it, but the most believable one was Danny Luna, uh, and, and 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 then. But thankfully, he's the one to end all this foolishness with a spear to Mark Andrews, which he had to get way way low to the ground to deliver. And uh, you know, as a as because his his experience as an offensive lineman, he's used to getting low, so it was able to do it no problem. He spears Andrews, Moose wins. Uh, most virtuous pro wrestling gods win. Uh, all's well that ends well, I guess. Brandon, what were your thoughts on this? Uh, you pretty much articulated them. This should have not, it should have been like a five, seven minute squash of Moose basically just plowing through everybody and Deanna getting her shit in on Danny or maybe even a submission on one of the other guys. Well, you know, but you know, subculture is the hometown hero, even though they're from a different country altogether. Yeah. They're Australian, aren't they? I thought. No, they're all from England. Oh, okay. Pretty sure. Yes. I left that awkward silence in for <laughs> purpose. Uh, so anyway, uh, next is, uh, Josh and Eric. 
This sounds like a late night adult swim show. Um, it's uh, yeah, Josh, Josh Alexander and Eric Young talk about them having a master subculture. <laughs> so don't worry, we're not done with subculture. Uh, the uh, the lights on this this promo here, this little conversation in the hallway was uh, they were violet, violet lights, by the way, nice little lavenderish, violetish, purplish deal. So very nice. Okay, and then we turn in get... violet, violet. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, um, we've got a golden ticket to this match, which is next, which is uh, Grado versus Trey Miguel. Hey guys, remember Grado? Um, it's Scotland, by the way. So here's Grado. I guess he's a big celebrity over there, or at least a medium one. Um, I, more like like I, I'd call him like a local celebrity, like his re like that whole this like Scotland. He he's big in in Scotland or Scottish wrestling. Yeah, but doesn't he have like a isn't he like a media personality of some sort there? I, like, does I he think have like a TV show or some shit? Or he, I think he has something that he does that people know him from outside of wrestling. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure what that is, but th I think he's got something. Is he just like one of those celebrities that appears on game shows sometimes or something? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, whatever he does, uh, he also wrestles, I guess, still. And that's what he's doing here, if you can call it that. Although this didn't look to be like, this wasn't like a fully comedy match. It was like they were kind of having a regular match. Um, I mean, Grado still did his spots, you know, and his strutting and shit like that, but not overly comedic, I don't think. Uh, what did you think of the match? Like, what were your, what was your appraisal of this? I mean, for the for those two guys, I thought they did pretty well. They played to their strengths, and it didn't get too ridiculous. And I'm looking it up right now. Uh, currently, Grado is the host of Scotland's Greatest Escape. Yeah. Everyone's favorite. It's probably still got more international viewers than NWA. <laughs> Grado goes over with the big boot. Uh, I didn't know that was his finish. Was Grado oh, yeah, the, known for the big boot, guys? The wee boot, yep. Okay. Well, look, I'm out of touch. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Grado's finish. Mm -hmm. uh, the wee boot. So yeah, that's enough to take down Trey Miguel, former uh, Impact Tag Team Champion, former X Division Champion. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. Uh, anything else on this? Nope. I think we're going to move on. All right. Fat Eddie challenges Osprey at Turning Point. He gets a green light for his promo here. So. You know, Eddie's associated with the color green, so that makes sense. It's nice of them to set up a little green spotlight to coordinate with his signature color. Um, all right, next is uh, Trinity versus Emerson Jane. This would be another good spot for a who and a, a kazoo, perhaps, of some <laughs> sort. But if you if you need help picturing what this lady looks like in your mind, imagine if Jennifer Coolidge was a wrestler, and then you'd pretty much get it. And if you don't recognize her by that name, perhaps Stifler's mom would be more appropriate for you guys to recognize her, that actress. Uh, so, yeah. Imagine her in some indie gear, and then that's Emerson Jane for you. 
Um, I tried to watch this like with an eye for like, okay, well maybe she's like a diamond in the rough here. You know, maybe we should watch out for Emerson Jane in the future. Um, I didn't really see any of that. I don't have anything to report to you that we need to look out for Emerson Jane. Unfortunately, she just seems like she'll just be a perpetual local wrestler and whatever promotions they have over there. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this match at the very beginning, when Trinity extended her hand, uh, and she went to kick it away, kicked Trinity's hand away and completely whiffed. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're a heel, <laughs> as we'll see, if you're a heel, <laughs> stupid shit like that, you can get away with and it gets you more heat. Uh, but I'm sure that's not. Um, yeah. Yeah. Retro Rocket even had to skip this. Uh, he says that she's too hard on the eyes and Retro Rocket loves fat women. So I don't even know what to tell you. Like, yeah, he just even said that right as I say that. Um, I, maybe she's not large enough. She just kind of has like a, you know, a bag of wet laundry body, but you know, at least she's trying to cover it up with the gear she wears. Uh, she had these big baggy pants and whatever. And, um, yeah. Anyway, Trinity wins with a bubble bomb that she then like sort of does that, that spin over into a. Mm -hmm sort of sunset flip style cover so one two three then we get a montage uh of the tour that they've gone on a little package here about how much everybody loves each other and the locker room gets along so all these baby face and heels getting along and you know they're all together and praising the company uh, out of character you know this is what forges these bonds these trips on the road these road trips this is the um, this would be the part of the business that I regretfully didn't experience. Well, I say regretfully only because it's it is a big part of wrestling, the road trips, the camaraderie, and things like that. I didn't get to do a lot of road trips, only a couple. Uh, only made a couple of towns, brother. Um, <laughs> most of the stuff was located at the same, you know, the Davis Arena. That's most of the stuff that I did. So uh so yeah so we had our own version of camaraderie but you know only took a couple of road trips to make towns to work in front of crowds that were different than the normal crowd um but uh it's i say that i so i regret that in a sense but i also don't regret it because i fucking hate traveling and i hate road trips and i hate car rides and i hate plane rides and i hate everything i just hate ways wasting time not being at the thing i want to be at I just want to be there. I don't want to go there. Uh, I, I wish I had a teleportation device is basically what I'm trying to say. Or if you only do one of these and just disappear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We learn that instant transmission technique from those people from that planet. So that would be nice, but we don't have that yet. So we'll just wait for Elon to figure out some way to work that into Neuralink. Um, I'm still waiting for and a it, hyperbolic time chamber. Yeah. And uh, capsule uh, machinery. And, you know, can we just get the... Yeah. Can we just get the entire uh, Dragon Ball universe right now, please? Thank you. Um, 
but we won't get that but we will get a a promo for deep fear which is a movie that's either out or about to come out or came out a year ago i can't tell because when you look up deep fear a couple different movies pop up one has a shark on it i think that's this one and then one is like a french thriller from like a year ago but knowing impact it could be that too because they're not always up on their uh current releases sometimes they're sponsored by a movie that got held back from production so yeah deep fear it's got a shark all right anybody wants to watch deep fear let us know how it is hey don't get us a dmca strike on the channel um that's all right this channel's demonetized right uh all right trinity cuts a promo on diana uh say she's definitely gonna feel the glow um she's got a union jack on the back of her hair which i thought looked cool oh yeah one to leave yep uh one thing i do want to add about that uh package of them on the uk tour oh sorry yes please that's another one of those things that um makes me think they're testing out new production techniques because that was almost shot like a documentary kind of Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i like i I liked it other than the kayfabe breaking right and although the only way you you all you have to do to get around that is just make sure that you only get the sound bites from the baby faces you could still show the heels doing other stuff just don't show them together you know show the heels be separate do their own thing like if you want to see you want to show moose doing something like make sure it's him by himself you know or him and or with brian myers and then you know when you get a sound bite you know make sure you get one of the people like josh alexander or stuff which they did or you know those type of things but that's all or, you got to yeah. do and if it if it's one from a heel make sure it's in character mm-hmm. but normally i don't like these motherfuckers but <laughs> you know some are all right <laughs> or just have them put over their heel partners you know i never used to like brian myers until we had to travel together you know something like that there, you have plenty of ways to get around that all right, well, there's no way around this. Your main event is Josh and Eric. Eric! All right, more more Billy Madison references. Versus Motor City Machine Guns. Um, Brandon, do you have any... Uh... Nah, this... Again, this is just a main event house show match with nothing on the line, no stakes. I mean, there's absolutely no reason to get invested in this at all. I'm sorry. Don't apologize for them. They know what they did. Uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, I look, as soon as you put Motor City Machine Guns in there, you're basically, it's almost like, um, okay, so you know how magnets work, right? You have the positive and the negative poles of the magnet, and if you press the positive to the negative it goes together when you make it a positive and a positive they don't go together right or a negative and a negative whichever it is they you repel need the opposite opposite to attract uh basically if you put a negative which is the motor city machine guns with me a negative uh it's just going to push me away. So you're basically telling me not to watch anytime you have the guns on screen. 
And um, so I didn't really watch. But I just assume uh, through osmosis of it being on the television and while I was doing other things and um, my, just my decades of history with these two who are the greatest wrestlers who ever lived, I, I assume that it was just like a bunch of stuff where they forgot to tag for long periods of time and uh, just ran unlimited double teams and kicked out of stuff and, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, and of course, Goldberg 98's going over with a cradle shot on EY. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, like, neither of them are wrestling at Turning Point, but Josh and EY are. Well, I take that back. Saban was in a tag match with Kazarian. I forgot against who, but we'll get to that. Right, randomly. Why is that? Yeah, why wasn't your champion defending the belt at the show? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, we don't want Turning Point to actually be a turning point. I mean, what if he lost? Then we'd have a turning point. Anyway, one more Deep Fear trailer to get us out of here. <laughs> Take us home. <laughs> deep Fear. Deep Fear. Yeah, it's deep. All right. Well, there you have it. That's that's going to uh, whet your appetite until turning point, which is, oh, it was the next night. All right. You didn't have to wait long. That was good. That was good of them. If that's one thing I can say. It's that. You didn't have to wait long to watch your pay-per-view. Mm. When I found out that Turning Point was on this this past weekend, I was I refused to believe it. Cause Javi told me about it and I didn't want to believe him. You know? It's like, no, no, it's not. It's not it's not on. It was on. Uh so turning point. We get our opening package. Um, and then we get, uh, you know, like I mentioned, they have ropes here again. So it wasn't just, I noticed the ropes at some point during this and I was like, wait a minute, did they have the ropes in those other matches? So I went back to the impact episode and then I was like, yep, they sure did. So, all right, we're kicking off this with uh, team Canada, which like you said is, uh, uh, you know those guys EY and Josh Alexander whoop whoop right oh yeah you didn't say that you said Chris Saban teamed up with somebody okay yeah yeah no he I know yeah him and Kazarian teamed up I forgot against who though I uh it, that's drawing a blank I don't know why it's I'm gonna go look that up I'm stupid it I was know the, this. it was Moose and Myers is that oh yeah Moose and Myers exactly yep mm-hmm um but yeah so Which here, I feel stupid for forgetting that well you know you're probably you're probably like them and say hard to believe but sometimes maybe forget moose exists but uh yeah at least here uh, he was represented but we'll get to him in a in a little bit uh so this is team canada versus subculture so we get more subculture uh and uh it took about 15 minutes for them to hit the c4 on andrews and put him away okay he's a feisty little guy just refuses to stay down, except for the C4, which was, it looked pretty good. I liked it. 
Uh, yeah, I'll admit that finish looked good, and he took that bump really well. Right. If there's one thing you can do is take bumps. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any deep thoughts on the match. It was just look a subculture, you know. They have a very, they have a type of match, and they did it. So Impact signs uh, some kid named Leon Slater. We learn from a graphic. So, and we've not seen this person uh, on any programming whatsoever, even though they've been on tour and they had a montage and they talked about this stuff. And then they show highlights from a match he had with Kazarian. Uh, and they show him signing the contract on Scott Demore's back, making it look like he offered him a contract on the spot just because the match he had. And then he does a quick promo in the back. So we get to hear from Leon Slater. What do you think of Leon Slater? I'm not going to lie. When I first saw the graphic, I'm like, wait a minute, didn't they already sign Leo Rush? Hmm. Well, they need their own permanent Leo Rush. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he legit, like, from the way he performed in the ring to his promo, he sound, he looked and sounds like a British Leo Rush. I'm sorry. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. British Leo Rush, or, you know, perhaps he could replace uh, uh, Desmond Xavier and be a third rascal. British rascal, you know? He's got that same look. Liz said he looked like a child. Well, I think he is young, at least. So I want to say nineteen. I'm pretty sure they said he was 19. Hmm? Yep, that's a young-ass man. Uh, Alright, well, let's hope that uh, he doesn't have the maturity of a 19-year-old, but that he's wise beyond his years. Uh, and the lights for his promo were pink, by the way. Just in case you were wondering what lights they were using for that. All right. Next is Giselle Shaw versus Alex Windsor. This would be another good spot for a who? 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 I'm sorry. Who? Alex Windsor. Okay. Thank well, God I'll for give... the announcers explaining who these people are. Otherwise, we had no idea and why these matches actually hit, might have any kind of stakes or any kind any any semblance of importance. I think um, I think I'm picking up the facetiousness there. <laughs> uh, but regardless, I'll give this to Alex Windsor compared to um, you know old Stifler's mom. She actually looked like a pro wrestler in terms of her gear. Uh, I also noticed as part of that gear, she has a hefty knee brace on her left knee. So, you know, her legs already been shot. Um, and, uh, and just her actual like looks like as a physical presence, as a woman, whatever, I don't really have anything to report in terms one way or the other. It's just somewhat forgettable, but she looked professional uh, in her presentation, at least. So I'll say that. Uh, as for wrestling, well, it's nothing to write home about either. Um, 
Giselle hits the uh, denouement and uh, puts her away. So I like the I finish. Know. Yeah. Did did you did Alex Windsor do anything to set herself apart for you or? Not really. I mean, again, the only my only takeaway from this match was I liked the finish. Like she went for the denouement, moved out of the way, short pump with the other knee, and then comes back and hits it and goes over. Simple and easy. Fine, fine, fine finish. Um, let's see. Next is the a uh, Simon Miller promo. Uh he says stuff about like he Joe Henry must have thin skin if the stuff that he said on his channel got him upset or during his show, uh, which we're like, what are you talking about? Because we haven't seen this yet. And then uh, he said he doesn't like thin skin beings. I think that's the phrase he used. Being he called him a being, uh, and he says he doesn't believe in Joe Henry, but everybody's gonna believe in Simon Miller. His light color for this red. Maybe he'll join, um, you know, the design or something. And again, at least they played the footage and showed why this match is happening. Yes. Wait, did they? They didn't do that here, did they? On they the one later. No, on the turn. No, right before their match, they actually showed like the clips, the online yeah. clips of what led to this match. No, but I'm and, saying, and this yeah. he this was just a, a quick. 30 second backstage yeah yeah okay all right but later on like before they get oh, yeah, into i got the match, that i got yeah. that in the notes and i've got something to say about it too um but right now i have nothing to say about uh rich swan versus trey mcgill <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> throw away flippy hitty match yeah well I, they they worked count out at least i'll give them that they actually worked a count out where it looked like Rich Swan might get counted out, but he he barely made it back. So very good, good job, guys. Some people just forget that a count out can actually finish a match until it's time for it to finish a match. Uh, I I like to see more people utilize what's available to them, and then you don't have to do as many flippies and hitties. You know, you can get people excited that way. You can really get people excited if you're good enough. I don't know if either of these guys are good enough. In fact, I'm quite sure they're not, which is not necessarily uh, a knock because very few people are. But if you're good enough and or over enough, you can get people invested with just a look. Just a look, just a facial expression. You look at somebody in that front row the wrong way and they might want to incite a riot. It's just, you know, how much do they believe in you and what you're doing? So with that being said, even something as simple as you being outside the ring and they think you're not going to make it by the count of 10 or 20, depending on what promotion you're working for, but if they think you're not going to make it back to the ring and they want to see you get back in there and fight, they'll get behind you. It's the easiest thing in the world. Can you beat a count of 10? Everyone understands that. Everyone can get behind it. Even if they didn't care about you before, they might care about you now in this one moment. So things like that are important. Um, it's a way to, ex to add time 
to the match without adding moves to the match. More shit you have to do. More chances for you to get hurt. It's better to crawl on your hands and knees. It's harder to get hurt that way. And then you reach for the ring. Uh, I can't make it. And then the people cheer for you. You can make it. Come on. It's not that hard. Or you could be Rich Swan and hit him with a 450. Yeah, 450. But at least it's the finish. 450. Uh, or Trey Rich Miguel Swan and wins. get kicked in the face twice in a row and completely no sell it. Yeah, who needs? It's just a kick in the face. Well, it's just like anything, right? You do it enough, you get, you know, you build up a callus to it. And these guys kick each other in the face so much. Just imagine the first time they take like a super kick, right? They lights out. out cold, couldn't eat solid food for like two weeks, you know. And then after a while, you know, after so many jaw reconstructive surgeries and uh, concussions from whiplash and you know all that stuff broken noses like after a while it just you're gonna you're you need to hit me with something a little bit stronger than a human foot pal to keep me down shit i'm gonna need to take a bunch of punches direct punches from mike tyson to put me down that's right we're gonna need an elephant kick <laughs> speaking of which <laughs> uh danny luna cuts a promo on jordan grace here not to not to uh Oof. not to Oof. say that uh not to say that Danny Oof. Loon is an elephant by any means, but I mean she does have some uh she does have some thighs on her. Um that is, I still remember that promo. That was a rough promo. Yeah. Well basically they're saying like she said something about, I didn't write it down. All I wrote down here was Danny Luna's promo on Grace, but I seem to remember her saying something about like, um, she said something like people have been comparing the two of us and it's time to find out who's stronger. I'm, I, you know, not that I follow any of these people, but I'm quite sure I've never seen them compared. I don't think anybody's ever been talking about Danny Luna and Jordan Grace in the same breath. Perhaps it's happened. Uh, never seen it um and they're gonna find out who's stronger so danny luna versus jordan grace who's stronger um they do a who's stronger match i guess for the most part i really i saw a lot of forearms i don't really i don't remember them like going back and forth with like um you know let's say trying to get like a big a big slam or something like that uh or feats of strength. I just remember them forearming each other a lot. I think I remember there was one spot where um, Danny had her had Jordan hooked up for something and basically like lifted her up, like deadlifted her, and then put her down with the suplex. Okay. Like 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 from the from the mat, like deadlifted her. Okay. It's, yeah. It's nice. Um. Well, uh, anything else to uh, add about the match? Jordan goes over with the Grace Driver. Of course. Because he's challenging for the belt, because why not? Right. Right. Uh, yeah, and Subculture ain't winning shit on this show. Nope, they're just there because they're hometown and to fill a spot in the card. Yep. Or sort of hometown. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> this is a country or two over. It's no big deal. It's close enough. Closer than America, anyway. Um, 
But here's the thing that you have to learn. Uh, it doesn't really matter where you're from. Whoever's the bigger star is going to be more over. So that's why, uh, you know, you see that when you see the WWE go to these countries and Triple H goes over to Jinder Mahal because Triple H's a bigger star. Yeah, because some cab driver might say, oh, yeah, DX is more over than, you know, our hometown or our guy that looks like us. Yeah, the guy that looks like us. <laughs> yeah, they know. He's from, he's, he's a Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Not truly one of us. Um, so, uh, all right. So next is the package where it's showing the history between Simon Miller and Joe Hendry and how he was on their food fight show and stuff got out of hand and they got into a scuffle in the what culture offices. See this what culture on, you saw that on the wall, like the big what culture sign on the wall. Um, and uh, yeah, so they're, they're, they're preparing you for this match, showing you all this stuff. And I'm like, where was all this stuff when you guys were putting a clip show together? Right. You, you'd think you'd put this on your impact show to build this. Um, I mean, the only thing I could think of is that it was shot after it aired, but I don't think, yes, yeah. I don't think so. I think they would have had time to do something like this, but if they knew they were going to do it, right. Why should have heard about it? Exactly. Why not give it more of a build? Yeah, dude, get, if you're going to, okay, look, if you're going to do a clip show, if you're going to do a goddamn clip show, instead of just showing us uh, matches from the pay-per-view that we were supposed to have bought and watched already, uh, even if you want to do that, could you like sprinkle in new content? We need new content, stuff that we might not have seen. Like maybe we don't follow every single one of these impact wrestlers on social media. So maybe show some stuff that they've been doing, especially if they've been booking their own angles. Like maybe we would have been interested in seeing that instead of, you know, the match we just saw the, the previous week. Like, yep. Like for this, something simple could have been, you shoot the footage on last and show, air it on last week's Impact, and then on this one you do something where Hendry has a match or something. He calls out Simon, and then si and then you see something on the Titantron of Simon cutting a promo, a pre-recorded promo on him. Just something. Now let's just do it all here. So it's Simon Miller versus Joe Hendry. Um, Miller comes out. He does an in-ring promo. Uh, he makes a lot of sincere apologies. Uh, he says, don't hate the player, hate the subscribe button, which I'm sure the NWA does. Uh, then he uh, he goes to... He, 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 the mic falls out of his hand. like he drops, he drops the microphone, and the crowd starts chanting, you fucked up, which is funny. I'll give it to him. He played that off as well as he could have. Yes. Yes. And luckily, and luckily somebody in the back was paying attention because they immediately cut to the Joe Hendry video. Right. And when you once, like I said before, when you're a heel, this is a perfect example. When you're a heel, you can't do anything wrong. So even when you screw up, you use that and make that part of it. And he rolled right with it. Yeah, what else could you do? You, you you dropped the mic and it fell out of the ring. What the, you know? I mean, I was pretty sure he was done talking anyway, but that's beside mm -hmm. the point. Like, 
It was a visual fuck up. Right. And he just stared at it, you know, and it was great. Um, and then, uh, like, was, like the hen, he even tried to pass it off. Like it was the microphone's fault, which is even better. Right. It's, it's easy. It's easy. Um, but yeah, if you're a, if you're a no nonsense baby face, that'll ruin your career. Uh, Joe Hendry though, he does get that song and a video, uh, you know, like he would for these type of things. Um, that was actually pretty funny. I I kind of I thought the Nickelback references worked pretty well. Yeah, in the video, he's sort of calling him a wish version of Austin and calls him Mister Clean, and I guess Chad Kroger, like you're saying. Uh, oh, they even had like part. a. Like that one thing from like the photograph music video, like that quick little shot of that. Yeah. I mean, this is what you get from Joe Hendry. This is what you can expect. Um, Which I'm 100% sure he completely creates and produces those videos himself. Yeah, he has to. We've seen what the company produces. So it's really no doubt. Uh, then they have the match and, um, while the match was fine and kind of what you'd expect, uh, and they worked it pretty well or they laid it out pretty well anyway. Um, I will say Miller's fundamentals to me appeared very lackluster. However, they didn't have the type of match where that was too exposed. I only saw it because I'm me. Uh, the rest of the time, I thought they covered up what he couldn't do for the most part. Um, and he did fine, but, uh, you know, fine, fine for a, fine for a YouTuber, fine for a celebrity guest, fine for whatever, for a full-time pro wrestler, I would definitely work on some things and just keep, just keep drilling it. Um, footwork really. A lot of happy feet like he takes little steps you know in times um so he just needs to learn how to move around the ring when he's on his feet uh but most of the time he was just doing something like a flying tackle or or whatever or a clothesline or something that doesn't you know he he doesn't have to do a lot of running so and he also at least is in shape he looked good and he actually had ring gear yeah he had ring gear yeah that's another important part but yeah fundamentals and he was pretty looked pretty gassed at some point too like uh <laughs> like he seemed like he was really sucking wind toward the end and the match was not like a long match so probably doesn't wrestle very often is my guess hmm. but yeah i mean it's fine for what it was it, it it got its business across. Right. Anything else to add on that? Nope. I just thought it was a decent, entertaining match, and both guys did their parts well. Okay. Next was the uh, package about gut check, which they did in, I guess, Glasgow, Scotland, and Coventry, England. Uh, they had uh, Scott Damore and Josh Alexander and Gail Kim and Joe Hendry were doing like some of the scouting for this. And, uh, yeah. And then the, the people they eventually ended up with is somebody named Mike D. Not from the Beastie Boys, but, uh, I guess he ain't getting Belgium. no money. <laughs> and, uh, Harley Hudson from Liverpool. So, 
One boy and one girl. I'm not going to lie. Like Harley Hudson kind of looked like Pebbles grown up, if that's what she was going for. Flintstone Pebbles? Yes. At least with the outfit. Okay, yeah. All right. So, yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they do. Um, but this was, uh, you know, this was a slightly interesting little deal. I kind of would have rather seen this on the TV. Yep. Definitely, definitely a TV spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, well. Uh, let's see. Deanna and Trinity are warming up. Doing a little warm up there. Then we get the most professional wrestling gods versus the random teaming of Saban and Kazarian. TNA originals, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and again, the one note I had for this, it, you could take the rest of it. The only note I had for this was Moose is surrounded by mediocrity until he spears Kazarian to finish this. Sounds about right. And again, I'll say pray all the praise to the announcers for trying, trying to make sense out of this, trying to justify this. Like they got their work cut out for them. And I think they're doing pretty damn well for what they got. When they kind of explained how like Kazarian and Saban's history goes back to all, all the way to Oh three, when they had the battle of the futures and then their most recent um, angle with each other. So, so the announcers are at least trying to do something, but I really don't feel like the company really is. Well, wow. I cannot agree or disagree because if there's one thing I really cannot pay full attention to, it is the announcing on these shows. I can catch it sometimes, but uh, for the most part, I have to multitask. So I'm usually not that in tune with what they're saying. Um, so, yeah, but Moose was in it. So, you know, I'm definitely watching with my full attention moose and moose went over moose went over so that's two moose go overs on this you know and that makes sense because the only reason that he's going over is because he's got that briefcase so we have to think he's gonna be you know impact champion worthy and that's their psychology anyway he should always be impact champion worthy he shouldn't be doing any jobs for anybody ever anywhere uh but now that he's got a briefcase, now he gets to win matches. Okay, sure. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. However you have to justify it in your minds, just let Moose win. Which I think they might be kind of the swerve going into Hard to Kill. It. Like if they're going with like a whole new look, whole new direction, whole rebranding, why not put it on him? He's the obvious choice. Okay, so then we get a package, and then it is the Knockouts Championship match of Trinity versus Deanna Perazzo with special referee Gail Kim. Now, Brandon, did you get a chance to see this? This was one of the matches I did not get to see. Okay. But I did read about the finish, how it ended up with Deanna pissing off, doing something to Gail, getting hit with eat defeat, and that leads into the finish. They're absolutely wrong. Well, not wrong. absolutely wrong, just partially wrong. I'll tell you. Uh, okay, they had a good match, you know, nothing crazy. Um, but they actually didn't really use Gale in the match, which was, I thought, a mistake. Uh, right. Like, didn't have really a spe 
Right. If you're going to have a special re- like referee in the match like that, they should play a vital part in the match. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty straightforward. There may have been like, look, I, I, I didn't have the eagle eye, you know, like Moose is already gone. So now the eagle eye has been put away and now it's the lazy eye. So I'm like watching the match. I watched the match for sure. Uh, I may have looked away at a certain point or so. So if I did and I and I missed the part where Gail and Deanna ran a spot or something like that, then it must have been very brief because it definitely didn't last for long. Maybe it would have had to have been like a glance or a warning or something quick uh, that they snuck in there. But other than that, it was pretty straightforward. And then... Um, Deanna taps out to the starstruck. And then okay. after, after yeah, I went she, back and read it, it was after the match. Yeah. After she, after she taps out to the starstruck, then she gets in Gail Kim's face. Like, how dare you record my submission? <laughs> I guess. I don't know what her, I don't know what her beef would have been because like I said, Gail didn't do anything in the match that I saw that would instigate this. So, right, you would have had to have built it throughout the match of like two counts and close calls, and Deanna getting frustrated and going off on Gail Kim, and then it eventually gets to one point where Deanna hits a big move, kick out, or Trinity gets to the ropes. She takes issue with Gail, pushes Gail, Gail pushes back, go for a swing. Gail hits her finish, leads in into the finish. Mm-hmm. Or you know that, or a fast count for the baby face or any of those things that you do, the classic referee spots or make up a new one. You had a bus ride to figure out a finish for your fucking match. You could have come up with some way to use a special referee in this. Instead, you did nothing. And then after the match, you shove her for no reason. And she hits you with her finish. And then they play her music. They play the referee's music. (laughs) But Hey, you know, Gail Kim over. We love Gail Kim. There's nothing wrong with Gail Kim. No, nothing at all. It just could have been handled and booked a lot better. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's Trinity and Deanna. You know, they had a nice match. I'll say that. Uh, like it's, I said, nothing very, crazy. Yeah. They didn't do a bunch of, hey, let's try to impress everybody and right. show it, that we're it, just as good as the men or anything right. like that. It is tough for Trinity and Deanna to have a bad match with each other. Yeah, especially at this point. They probably worked plenty of times, you know, even that we haven't seen. Mm, But the main event, though. uh, Osprey. Will Osprey cuts a promo on Fat Eddie. And Will Osprey gets a green light on his promo. Because he's part of the United Empire. And their colors are green, black, and gold. So he gets green, too. So it's a battle of guys who like green. And Miss Lippy's battle for Miss, Lip, Miss Lippy's car in a Pullman. <laughs> no, no. It's just a uh, regular match between Eddie Edwards and William Osprey. Uh, so they start this match with... Um, they do the lockup, and then he pushes Osprey back to the ropes. And then he does a break, and then he faints like he's gonna chop will osprey okay gonna hit you right (laughs) like that's something to be scared of listen uh will osprey is dumb okay like 
it's not just me saying that he's said that about himself multiple times in public that he's dumb uh and we know he's dumb because he got that wembley attendance tattoo right but even will osprey though he may be tattoo dumb he's not blade his chest dumb so your chop isn't going to get over all right and at least he realized he fucked up with that tattoo well how could you not (laughs) how could you how could you not realize that there's no way not to realize it unless you just completely stopped listening to anything related to wrestling after you got it (laughs) he wouldn't be able to go into one locker room without realizing that but but yeah but he's not dumb enough that he's gonna blade his chest and uh will osprey's chops are better than eddie edwards anyway so i wouldn't um i wouldn't do the spot where like i'm threatening a guy like i'm somebody that can do damage with a chop but whatever as eddie gets fatter he's going to do less and less so he's going to rely on these chops so he might as well learn how to hard way somebody with them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. more pork chops let's get some applesauce out here for these uh all right. The other another note I have was um, no joke. There's actually a uh, I think it's I think the video game was Wild Arms Three. There are these enemies who are basically giant anthropomorphic anthropomorphic pigs, and and one of their moves is pork chop, and they hit you with like a wrestling chop. <laughs> Why did nobody think of this before Wild Arms Three? Um. So, another note I have for. Uh, young, dumb Will Ospreay is uh, you basically do every move in your matches that you've ever known for the most part. Guys like Mark Andrews also do every move that they know. But if one of the moves that both of you guys know is more one guy's move than the other one just let him have it like let mark andrews have the stun dog millionaire just i'm pretty sure he at least if not invented it he innovated it so you know and it it actually looks decent when he pulls it off yeah and he doesn't have much else will osprey's got like a thousand other moves that aren't that so don't don't do that move on the same car with Mark Andrews. Let the poor kid have something. He's he's got the body of a ten year old boy. His his Man. his his female faction members bigger than him and weighs more than him. Okay, just let him have the stun dog. Don't do the stun dog in this match. Come on. Man, now I'm thinking about this one interview that Raven did where he said, "I got five moves, and one of them is to sit in the corner." Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if uh, someone else sat in the corner. Well, imagine if if Jake the Snake Roberts was on the card. Would Raven sit in the corner? You know, like, it's just think about these things. This is one of those things that veterans say that I don't know if young people don't hear the veterans say it or if they don't get it or, or if it's just a coincidence, but... I think there really is like a dismissive disrespect where it's like, I don't care if these old people have to tell me they're old and irrelevant and who cares what they have to say. They don't know anything. This is a new time. Yeah. 
well, I understand that, but it's all they're saying is like, watch the matches, and then that way you won't repeat something else that somebody's already done on the thing. Um, if you have a if you have a signature move and you just happen to be booked on the card with the guy that has that signature move and you guys aren't working together and you're you're in separate matches nobody will mind if you go for your separate move but in a case like this one of these is like basically this guy's damn near his finisher and you've got a bunch of finishers so don't do his finisher that's all he's got you know what i mean like all right that's one of those situations where it's actually good to have a versatile and large move set to where it's like okay well this guy does this guy this guy does that this guy does this so i don't have to do that i'll just do these because i know how to do these yeah man dude i used to watch the monitor and whenever i saw somebody usually we had things worked out in a in a general sense and if i saw somebody though in one of the earlier matches do something that i was going to do i just took it out like i don't want people to see that twice so you just just watch the matches that's all yep or if you know you got like something that's going on in your program that's similar to something not to another program in a match that's going on get with those guys and sit and say hey what are you guys doing what's your finish what spots are you putting in yep and if they're like a more important match on the card, you're like, okay, we'll take that out and think of something else. Yeah. It's just a thing. Um, eventually, Osprey wins with the Stormbreaker. And then he's got a big announcement for everybody afterwards. And that is that he has finally finished his kitchen. So I guess that's a reference to, you know, him building a new kitchen in his house or something that I don't know anything about. But the crowd seemed to like it. And... Uh, then he went on to give a speech about how he and many others were inspired by the letters TNA and wherever he goes when his contract is up with New Japan, which I believe is February of next year. No, he's going to work one more uh, Wrestle Kingdom before he goes. So it's February, his contract's up, and wherever he goes, he will be supporting TNA. And he hopes that, you know, like he was a TNA kid, uh, that he hopes that there's people in the crowd that night that will become TNA kids. So, nice little speech for Will Ospreay there to end the show, and that is turning point. And nice little way of keeping it keeping it ambiguous of where he's going. So that's that's decent. Yeah, and to talk about TNA some more, <laughs> even though everything still says Impact Wrestling, but that's okay. We already announced it. We don't have to make any changes right away. We can just take our time with these changes. <laughs> no reason to deliver on anything yet. Uh, that is the impact way. So. Well, there you go, guys. That was... Uh, that was turning point. I don't know what point they were turning to. I mean, the idea being that it's going from impact to TNA, but again, there was really no. It was a, it was a 360 turn. Yeah, 360 went right back around. So if we, you know, maybe they just meant it's after this, like after this, after the turning point, then we get the turn. But this is just the point right now. We're not quite at the 
the point where you go forward from the turn. We're just still here at the point. So, but yeah. But we're at the point of the show where we say goodbye and good night. So, uh, thank you all for hanging out with us. Uh, Brandon, where can they hang out with you some more? Uh, and you can find me at the usual places on Twitter at, or the X as the kids call it these days, at TransArcusTia. I am also going to be on Twitch a lot more at twitch.tv slash MissTiaTheTransArcus. And you can also find me on Substack with all of my punching up impacts on Substack at HMGBrandon. All right. Sounds good. Uh, you can uh, find me on all the places at OpinionHaver. Uh and you can find me on Hami Media Group on the Next Level Wrestling Review with Big Ray Hernandez every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find me on the uh, Wreckage on Sunday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find me um, sometimes mentioned on the uh, Wrestling with Rip Rogers show, uh, which is every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, or their concrete time. Uh, may not be on the show, but they'll probably mention me at some point uh, because concrete time is my catchphrase. And uh, then you also got Stevie Richards with his wrestling analysis channel. Um, still putting out crazy content. He's putting out reviews on his fitness channel, reviewing this air bike. Uh, I don't remember the model number or anything like that. I'm not that crazy, but uh, he's, he's just uh doing stuff there the big fitness podcast which has its own youtube channel now uh just just wait we're doing way too much i can't even i can't even i i would like to but i can't i gotta watch turning point and stuff and then stevie rich is putting out a new analysis video and i'm like i gotta analysis this video i don't have time to watch your analysis of a video i'm falling behind in my stevie richardsness uh, but for anybody that has the time, it's there. It's definitely there. So give that a look. And I think that just about does it if I haven't forgotten anything. Um, so we'll just wrap it here. And for Brandon, I'm the vet and I don't have a sign off line.